Good vibes and acts of kindness, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on the Rift Rewind, our weekly ESPN Esports League of Legends program. Arda, Emily, Tyler, and Jacob with you for the next hour, hour and a half or so. We'll talk all things League of Legends. Lots to get to as we approach the end of the regular season, particularly in the LCS and LEC. Lots to uh, go over and also lots to decide, and we're going to get to all of that. First thing I want to mention, a little bit of a programming note. You may or may not heard. I'm going to put my weather reporter cap back on from several years ago. Uh, you may or may not have heard that there is a major storm going through the northeast right now uh, that has also affected one of our own. No power so far right now. Uh, for our producer, Tish, who normally produces the trivia show directly after this program, and that means that trivia will have to be postponed this week. Apologies to everybody that looks forward to it. We look forward to it as well. But safety first. Tish has got a few things he's got to deal with. He's fine. Uh, his power, though, is another question. So hopefully he gets it back very soon. Uh, but that means that trivia will be postponed to next week. And that's a good thing because now you have a whole week to think about what Tyler's favorite <laughs> oh, color yeah. is. It's a surprise. You really need to be truly follow my twitter if you are one of the true followers you know what my fair color is you know what my fair player is you just have to look through the clues of my twitter it is not hard it's not a hard survey to fill out even though i'm sure a lot of people are going to get a lot of the questions wrong the funny thing is is that we thought that you were going to ask like league of legends related questions but half yeah. of them are like tyler questions i didn't so. realize this is going to be about you i thought it was going to be a league of legends quiz I was I was told I was able to put whatever questions I wanted, so I put whatever questions I feel gave me the best chance of winning a trivia contest. So that's fair. So we are going to do so. We were going to have TSM theme trivia part one, and then part two Tyler's quiz, uh, which you can totally uh, troll by answering any question you want in the survey that is available on our Twitter account ESPN <laughs> underscore esports. Uh, <laughs> hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Uh, but that's going to happen next week now. But we have a lot to get to, so let's get to love and hate. Uh, it is my turn this week. What did I love this past week in League of Legends? Golden Guardians. Let's give a shout out to Demonte, to Closer, who feels unleashed this split. We say we're seeing a totally different play style from Closer being able to be more aggressive. He has the most kills among any jungler this split in the LCS. Team looks good. Synergy looks great. And not only that, they have the results to show for it. They are in firm playoff contention. Things are looking good right now for Golden Guardians. So they are what I loved this past week, and they had some great results this weekend as well. So that's what I loved. We'll talk clap. about them in Big a second. Clap. Big clap. I know. We're, like, we're going to be talking about them later, so I don't want to like interject, but yay, GGS. We're going to talk about them in the LCS segment. What did I hate this past week in League of Legends. This is not a strong hate. This is not something that I viscerally think about and throw up as a result. But I I am happy that finally there's going to be some separation, even if for one day, between Mad Lions and Rogue in the LEC. Did you know, since the last time they met in, uh, I believe it was early J July or late June, they have had the exact same result Every single day of competition, except for one, July 4th, they had a different result. Every other day, it's been keeping up with the Joneses. Rogue wins, Mad Lion wins. Mad Lions loses, Rogue loses. Same record every single end of the week. And now, finally, they're going to play each other in our Super Week in the LEC. And I'm very happy about it because I'm sick and tired of them being stuck 
tied for first. I want to see one team at the top, and they have not given me any indication that either of them would grab that brass ring for the last month. Do you remember at the beginning of this year when you were, or the beginning of the split, when you were like, I don't want to follow Europe. No. Europe is going to be so boring. And I now I hear the passion <laughs> in your voice to these European teams. It makes me happy. Never have I been so wrong. You were, <laughs> you were so right to call me out on that. Never have I been so wrong. Uh, and I'm very happy that I kept up with it. So let's get to LEC. Let's get to Mad Lions and Rogue then. Contenders mm -hmm. or pretenders. Let's go around the circle and talk about whether we believe either of the, these teams are equipped enough to grab that sole possession of first place. Emily, which team, pretenders or contenders? Rogue, Mad Lions. I'm going to cross my fingers because every time I talk about how much I love Mad Lions, the stream cuts out. It's happened like three <laughs> times now. Um, anyway, uh, if I have to pick one as a pretender and the other as a contender, I'm going to pick Mad over Rogue. I actually think they'll both be contenders, but... Let's talk about Mad Lions. I think they're flexible enough to go through multiple iteration, like meta iterations, and they've already proven that, um, despite the fact that I do think they've made a name for themselves having a lot of early proactivity and aggression. We've seen them experiment with a whole bunch of different compositions with, uh, like, I, I don't want to say varying degrees of success, because I feel like they've been mostly successful outside of a, a few uh, a few hiccups uh, that we saw this past week. Um, there's a general trend towards more of a bot lane focused meta, and I think the uh, the greatest strengths of the Mad Lions are their mid-jungle synergy and also their bot lane. Um, and so in, in this current meta right now, I think they fit in really, really well. And yeah, that's why uh, that's why I think, like, previously they, they did beat G2, and I know a lot of people like to throw out that game for a lot of reasons. Uh, I don't think it was their, like, strongest win, but I think they've already proven that they can take out the the standard top teams when we think of, like, top European organizations. Um, so I want to say that this is like Mad Lion Summer. Like, I want to see them do it. Jacob, pretenders, contenders, who and who? So conflicted here, as I've been a big proponent of both of these teams for a while. I think that Rogue is the contender and Mad Lions is the pretender if I had to split boo. either way. And I say that as someone I, I who's love, like... I love both of these teams, yeah, too, but boo. Yeah, as, some, as someone who's like been big hype on both of these i have more faith in rogue being able to get it done when it matters in playoffs series than mad lions i think mad lions is probably the better team but they're the least least experienced team and i think experience does count for something when you play in series with with a significant amount of pressure in that regard i think rogue having has a, a little bit more experience than than mad lions in some regards and i think that that will uh, carry them through but it's hard to call mad lions a pretender because i do think that like if they place any lower than fourth, I'll be stunned. So that that's my my thought as we head into playoffs very shortly. Tyler, your picks. It's obvious. I mean, I've been on the road rogue bandwagon since last year when they were bad, when they were very bad. When they first announced they were going to Finn, I was like, this guy is my username, except he took out the O, and it's much more clear than mine. So I was like, I got all this kid. Brian Larson, the most hyped-up rookie from the mid-lane uh, kind of pipeline in the uh, European regional leagues. Then this season, they got Han Sama. They have Vander for the experience. This team, I feel, I do agree with Jacob, where I feel when I'm petting money on a team, I like the right kind of mixture of youthful 
talent with like Larson and Finn, but you also have a rock anchor who experienced has been through wars on the international level. That's Vander. Where you look at Mad Lions, and they are the sexier team. They get all the pub. They are the oh, could they be the next G two? Are these you know mechanical gods of the you know solo queue? Can they be the next big thing in? International League of Legends, why everyone overlooks Rogue. Rogue is actually the better early game team by a long shot. They are the more exciting team in the early game. They are more dumb in the early game. They are the only team in Europe with a goal, uh, a goal differential above 1,000 after 15 minutes. Everyone else is below 1,000, especially Mad Lions. Their early game is the cleanest and best in the entire league. They get the to- the first, to- first three towers in a game 93% of the time. 93%. Their problem is finishing games, where they are very, very inconsistent. But when I look at the team from top to bottom, I think Rogue is the more complete team. And if I was going to bet on one team, not to just be a champion in Europe, but on the international stage, to go far in the international stage, to be that dark horse that makes a really long run, I'm going to trust in Rogue. Because when I look at the two star players in the mid lane, Humanoid, and Larson, I think two, the two best mid laners in Europe, the split, I trust Larson more. He's the best team fighting mid laner probably in Europe, one of, if one of the best in the world probably right now. It, sometimes he's not, you know, the flashiest player as, you know, they don't get the pub as, as Mad Lions do almost on every broadcast. But I still believe in Rogue. I don't care what people say. I don't care if all the, I, I think Mad Lions are a very good team and they can win a European title. But if I'm picking one team to go far at Worlds, I'm with Rogue. I will not stop backing Rogue. Even when they're bad, I'm with them. Now that they're good, I will go even harder for them. Rogue will be your European champions this split. I'm saying it right now, proclaiming it. They will win. They got some work to do, but I love that you did that so we can throw it up on social. That's excellent. Hey, Thank you. Who Pat. said Tactical is going to be top three off pro in NA? This guy. He's going to be top three in 80 carries in NA. Tactical. Just my proclamations this year have been quite good. The yes. Johnson MVP thing, not so much, but the rest of them are quite good. And your hair is still intact somehow. That we'll have to fix uh, that. Quarantine, kind of, yeah. The yeah, whole, yeah. yeah. It should be dyed a silly color. It should be dyed a silly color right now. But when quarantine ends in LA, we will get that taken care of. So the last time Mad Lions and Rogue met Jacob, uh, Mad Lions soundly defeated them. Of course, this was in, in on June 27th, which seems like a lifetime ago, this split. They had a 10,000 gold lead. They won 11 to 4 in kills. It was just a, a, a decisive victory for Mad Lions. But this was in week two. So now, fast forward to where we are now. We finally get the matchup, the rematch in the split. And... For what I said in my fail or what I didn't like, my hate in terms of them being neck and neck, I guess at least for this matchup, since they're playing on Friday, at least we get to set the tone for the Super Week between the top teams to build some separation there. So a little bit of a preview from the three of you. Jacob, let's start with you on this. Mad Lions versus Rogue going into this matchup. Who has the edge? Um, this may sound weird given what I just said earlier, but I actually think Mad Lions will win this match. But I don't think that's necessarily indicative of how they will perform in the playoffs. I think that Mad Lions in a single game format with Super Week definitely has more pressure, I feel, than others. Um, it's been, that's especially true in Super Weeks of old uh, when they were in person. Um, because it's just a, you know, it's a barnstorm of three games over a weekend and it's kind of exhausting. 
Um, but nonetheless, uh, I think that Mad Lions is the better team in a single game format. I think that Rogue is a better team when it comes to adapting and having higher pressure situations. So I will give the edge to Mad Lions here. I think that Mad Lions is going to be highly competitive. And I look to, like, every time we get this matchup or have had this matchup this summer, what's exciting to me is, like, the bot lane. Because I, I like the bot lanes of both both sides here. Like, in a lot of ways, Karzi is what Hansama was three years ago. This, like, very exciting, young, uh, very exciting, young player who, uh, AD Carry, who has, like, a lot of discussion around him. I think Karzi was probably the most hyped ERL uh, back, or ERL history rookie um, uh, of all of them that got signed this past offseason. Um, and he's certainly lived up to that. Karzi's really exciting to watch. Hans was like that years ago um, when he first joined Misfits. And uh, Hot, we've seen Hans excel best, too, when he's with veteran supports, too, because uh, he was really good with Ignar. He's very good with Vander. Um, and I like Kaiser. Like, not many people actually talk about him. But, like, maybe one of the underrated pieces of Mad Lions' split is Kaiser. Like, it's easy to look at Humanoid and Karzy and go, yeah, those guys are great. And it's like, Kaiser's been really good, too, though, like it, as a support. I think very, like, out of all the people signed to this team, like, him and Arome have the lowest expectations for people, in my opinion, and uh, coming into the season. And, like, Kaiser's really, really, really lived up, or, like, exceeded all of the expectations I think anyone had for him. So, Balin has me excited every time we see this matchup, but I will give the edge in a single-game format to Mad Lions, and I think that Rogue is a better team when it comes down to series. So we're going to see that matchup on Friday. Of course, this is the last week of the LEC. Also, the LCS, we'll talk about that in a little bit. The Super Week, which brings a little bit of drama because it did seem like the middle-of-the-road LEC soup was a little bit smaller. But now we add the team that normally occupied the basement, and that is Schalke. The miracle run continues. The percentages have increased. We are at now a 9.71% chance of Schalke possibly, somehow, someway, making the LEC postseason. So let's ask the question. How have we even gotten into this situation where Schalke are on a four-game win streak in the first place? If we are, Emily, to look at the reasons why Schalke have had impressive performances, including against top teams recently in the LEC. Where are you pointing to? Um, I mean, I think Schalke, obviously the the first thing you have to point to is the, like, not... Not mid split, I guess. I, I guess it was like pretty much mid split, but they made a few roster changes, right? And uh, as as much as people joke about uh, Gilius as a jungler and have very strong feelings about him, um, I think that he is a driving factor behind their continued improvement across the back half of the split. Um, so, I mean, that's like the, that's the glaring thing. I think another thing is that when we have so, and I talked about this with Parity previously, I also believe in LEC. Um, when we have so many teams that are really like squashed close together, uh, it sometimes does come down to draft and then draft execution. And I feel like Schalke have been weirdly confident in themselves lately. Uh, and I don't know if you can necessarily credit Gilius for that. 
Um, I'm sure someone else on this panel will make a bunch of jokes about God Gilius and how he's going to carry Schalke into playoffs mm -hmm. somehow. Um, they do have like a pretty rough time ahead of them because they face mad in the final on the final day. Um, the fanatic matchup, I actually think that they can win. Uh, we'll see though. Uh, and then vitality. Sometimes a lot of their games are similar, right? Where I think it really comes down to like draft and draft execution. So, but yeah, I mean, if I had to like pinpoint one thing, I'd say that they're just playing with a lot more like confidence in, in the way that they want to execute. So even if they have a draft that people say is like not as good as their opponents, uh, they can stay on top of it enough to execute it well. So Jacob and Tyler will get your thoughts on whether you believe Schalke can even make the playoffs in our next segment. I will answer a question in chat. M made it said, uh, does Gilius even play anything but Lee Sin? Uh, the answer is yes, he does. In fact, Agragas is actually his most played champion <laughs> in his career, but Lee Sin is second well, career, but like you have to, yeah, like the, the, that is... he has actually. He's played yeah, out of the out of the three of the four he won. He played Sejuani, Nocturne, and Cog uh, and Kazix in in the yeah. last three of the four that they've won. So yes, he plays other things in Leeson. Leeson is just his most recent game. He's and played the I mean, most on Leeson, like, but yeah, yeah. I feel like it's kind of funny when players get a a reputation like that because it happens. It also happens like a lot in LPL, and I feel like a lot of people really dislike Leeson. Uh, like specifically as a pick. I don't know how much of a tangent you want me to go on the, with this, but maybe the save thing it about, for the LPL show. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. the thing about Lisa is that junglers really like to play it. So, and, and I know like a lot of uh, commentators and analysts really hate that. But if you are playing with confidence on Champion, you like sometimes go for it. And by the way, plug for the LPL show on Friday nights and also uh, on this Twitch channel and also the LPL Corner which uh, you write on ESPN.com slash esports. So let's now break down, give our predictions on who we think will make the playoffs in the LEC. Six teams that we uh, will say, yes, this is the way that the brackets will shake down. This, These will be our final standings at the end of the Super Week. Jacob, let's start with you. Pick your six teams. Give us your bracketology. How will the LEC shake down this weekend? I think my my six teams are the ones actually who are top six at this current moment, uh, and that's Mad Lions, Rogue, G2, SK, XL, and Fnatic. I think that if I had to change anything, I think it would be that Vitality actually has a better chance of getting in. I like their their odds of the teams uh, in the bottom four. But yeah, I mean, Mad Lions and Rogue is kind of self-exclamatory. They've had such a good good split um g2 looks like after this past weekend that they're going to have some sort of similar to life with the wins over fanatic and vitality and i know people are going to give me a lot of crap for excel they lost shock at this past weekend uh they beat misfits but i don't know i still have some faith i bet this is one of those teams that like i thought would do fairly well uh this or do fairly well this season and they let me down a little bit. They had to make some mid-season uh, change, mid-season changes, but I think they're okay. And I think when you look at their when you look at their upcoming schedule this weekend, it's Origin, who I think are just like I think Origin's awful right now. Like they had that one week where Jack Troll came in, and it was like the honeymoon phase of Jack Troll being being in the team, and things looked really good for a week, and now they're just like totally downhill. So I uh, yeah, I think I think that. XL has the advantage over Origin. I think XL can beat Fnatic again just because Fnatic just looks lost. Like, I think they'll qualify because they do have a, a slight advantage here, right? But 
There's a chance that XL could win that, and Fnatic gets in at sixth, which is insane. Um, and then XL versus G2, which is difficult to call right now, too. G2 actually does look like they, they're getting somewhere further than they have been most of the split. But I, I would I would bet on XL, uh, in my opinion, uh, if I had to. And then as for SK, uh, SK, I actually think, is much better than people give them credit for. They also play Origin this week uh, in G2 and Fnatic, so they have a very similar schedule to, uh, or they have an identical schedule to XL just in different days. I think that SK is a really good team. Um, I do know that there are some things about, uh, there's concern, concerns about Trick. They just announced today that they had signed a, uh, signed a, a rookie jungler, um, just in case, uh, anything goes wrong. Um, so we'll see if they have to do that this weekend. I don't know for sure either way. I just know that they made that signing, but I think SK is really good. I think they should handily beat Origin. I think that they could also be SK or could be G2 or Fnatic. Um, I've been very impressed uh, with coaching change to Jesus with the roster swap that made absolutely no damn sense to me at the beginning uh, of the midseason. Also, like, I don't know. SK has been probably the surprise for me if we're talking about LEC teams in terms of how they perform relative to expectation. Tyler, your six teams are? Uh, my six teams are Rogue, Lion, G2, Fnatic, Origin, and there, and XL. Uh, I made this tweet earlier in the week, but I'm a standby now. I said that the LEC sometimes, and a lot of times during the online play of the season, is exactly the same as LCS, except better production and a bit fancier of an accent when it comes to the casters. And I stand by that. I stand by it wholeheartedly. I don't really trust any of these teams, really. I trust Rogue inherently inside and deep in my heart. I will always, you know, that is my European team. I believe in them. But when I don't feel confident in SK, I don't feel confident in Rogue. I don't feel confident really in any of these teams. I am going... For my list, I'm going with the teams I feel are the strongest. And SK bringing a rookie jungler in the last week, that scares me. Even if they're going with Trick, if you're a Trick, you, that, you're not happy about that. You are in a great position. You are leading. You're currently in the playoff hunt. And you now they're bringing someone that might replace you if you slip up once. I don't like that. I think SK has a very good foundation. But when... Push comes to shove, and I know Origins looked awful. I know they look awful. We have, but like we've beaten that drum every single week on the show. How boring they are! How they're a train wreck! How Astralis and the entire Umbrella Company is having troubles, money issues, all that jazz. But I look at Alfari and I say Alfari might be the best player in Europe right now. He might be the best player in Europe. He is trying to drag this team through the mud. And I still, when it comes down to it, in a super week where I'm going to put my money on a region that's been very topsy-turvy, the play hasn't been that high this split, I'm going to bet on Origin because they're the most talented players on their roster when it comes to a lot of these soupy teams. I believe in Alfari. If I put money on Alfari or anyone on SK, I'm going to believe in Alfari because he is one of, if not the best player in Europe right now, and it would be a damn shame if he's not in the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, Alfari should leave and go find a team where he can actually, you know, live up to the potential that he has. He just, He's a player that should be on the world final stage. He is that dang good. And if Origin can't make the freaking playoffs in a season where there is no real hierarchy, there is no super team in, in Europe where there's so many, you know, the play is so low, it will be an embarrassment of embarrassment. So I'm believing Alfari. I want them to win so badly because I want to see Alfari go far because I think he's such a special player. 
But in all honesty, I don't trust any of these teams right now. I guess I trust G2 the most of everyone, along with Rogue, just because they're my boys. But G2, at the end of the day, they look a bit coming back alive. And if I'm betting on pure talent because of how messy the split has been, these are my six teams. I don't really feel confident in anyone, but if I'm going to bet on anyone, I'm betting on Alfari. I'll go next real quick, Emily, because I believe in God Gilius. And that is all you need to know as it pertains to God Gilius. And that was obviously going to be me. I was was surprised when I got the Shulke question because I was completely ready to break down like Rogue Mad Lions matchup. But like, I I was shocked that someone didn't just interrupt and just go God Gilius. That's the reason why they're doing well. No, no, no. We we let you speak, and then when time comes, it's my turn. Then I put in the God Gilius. Nice. There is nothing iron about Erberk Demir. Demir, by the way, his last name does translate to iron from Turkish. There is nothing iron about this man. He is literally carrying this team to the playoffs on his back. Now the other picks definitely comfort picks. They are obviously the top five in the league right now i believe they will i don't know what order they're going to be and this is not in the order i believe these standings will be except for schalke and sixth i do believe they squeeze into the playoffs they do need the best situation for them would be for excel to have a very bad weekend so if if excel uh, have tough games against g2 on sunday and they play origin who are in the playoff hunt also playing Fnatic, who need to rebound as well. So they're going to have a tough weekend, will excel. Of course, Schalke will ex- also. They play Vitality, they play Fnatic, and they play Mad Lions. But to me, Vitality is a winnable game. I think that is the most winnable of the weekend of the three teams for Schalke. Then you got Mad Lions. Maybe in this particular game, because Mad Lions have already made the playoffs, maybe Mad Lions will be less motivated in this game than Schalke will be in this game on Saturday. So maybe there's a chance there for God Gilius to stretch them across the finish line. Fnatic will be the toughest game of the weekend, in my opinion, for them, because Fnatic might still be uh, deciding their playoff fate by then, and they might need a win. That's going to be a tough one for Schalke. But I believe in that 9.71%. I believe, and I want to see those storylines, Emily. I want to see the fun storylines where we get a team like Schalke improbably making the playoffs. Give it to me, and then a first-round exit doesn't matter. Schalke made it. Arda, Arda, I have a question for you. I mean, yes. would, you rather, would you rather have God Gilius or Alfari? God Gilius, come on. What kind of question is this? Are you kidding me? I would, I would rather have Alfari. God, yeah. what what kind of question is this? <laughs> sorry, Arda. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Arda. <laughs> who, are, who are your six? Who are your six teams, Emily? <laughs> uh, so I also went the, the the boring road. I think I agree completely with Jacob. Uh, I I don't know the order, but I also said obviously Rogue Mad Lions already made it. Um, G two SK, uh, Excel and Fnatic. Um, despite the SK jungle things. Also, when we didn't when we made this list, I did not know about the whole trick thing. Uh, but I will say that I think the biggest thing is the, the team that I feel like, uh, was hurt the most, if I remember mathematically, like I haven't like calculated all the probabilities, but in terms of like the, the win rates they have is origin because they are tied with a lot of the teams. Whereas like, like the way the super week ends up shaking out, um, I think it's going to be the toughest for them just because of who plays who and when. Uh, 
I it's it's really still hard for me to believe in Fnatic at all because I think they have really similar issues that we've seen all split and we haven't seen them improve uh, on any, on a lot of those. Um, but I I mean it's it's hard not to believe in G two after the like they always manage to beat Fnatic and it's actually really hilarious. Um, it, it's hard not to believe in G2 given like not only their roster and, and their pedigree, but the fact that they did have an up week going into this final week. And hopefully um, we've talked about them being stymied with like a lack of practice and, you know, Perks's father passed away, which is just a like awful thing to happen in general. But then on top of it, you know, he had to take some time off and hasn't looked as good Um I think that with more practice time, uh, with with more time to kind of like shed that uh, and leave that behind them, I think they should enter this Super Week really, really strong, um, which doesn't bode well for a team like Misfits, for example, who they face on day two. Uh, uh, yeah, I still, I mean, I still like SK. I think XL are actually better than a lot of people give them credit for. Um, in, in a lot of these like matchups, I... Like, it's really difficult because, again, I know I brought this up previously, but, like, a lot of it is really going to come down to draft. And I think especially how teams approach on uh, uh, 10-15, like the Caitlin Morgana bot lane, which we saw, um, you know, some LEC teams picked it and their opponents didn't know what to do uh, with it a lot of the time where they seemed a little bit uh, further behind in kind of bringing that uh, to the forefront. So... I'm expecting to see a lot more interesting draft strategies going into this final week, especially with it being a super week and having people play each other back, 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 back. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. You guys covered the rest of it. Mine are pretty boring because they match up exactly with Jacob. So, uh, But the, the reason why I'm like counting Origin out is actually just because of like who they have to play, who has momentum yeah. going into this final week, and their their actual like matchup, the actual matchup records of the team. They have, not they have a terrible road ahead like it's xl sk and rogue for them this week and i don't know if they can win a single one of those games to be honest because like sk and, and xl are like feel like they're coming in a little hot sk in particular and we'll see how this jungle change if that goes through happens with them or like what it does to them but yeah like i don't know this is maybe an 03 well, week for origin very we're much gonna so. find out i mean tyler did put them in the playoffs in his I mean, bracket put, so we will see put upset on caitlin oh, yeah. I didn't, put Origin, I, I didn't put Origin in my top six. I put Alfari and Friends. Maybe Upset. Hey, Upset, can, when it comes down to it, I'm like I don't believe in any of these real teams right now. I think LEC yeah, is okay. it's a it's a what if 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 LCS is Burger King right now, LEC is McDonald's, right? They're both neither are high. You're saying McDonald's you know? is higher end than Burger King? Is that what yes. you're saying? No one likes Burger King. Hardly. What are you talking about? A Whopper is amazing. No one likes Burger King. Hardly. First of all, this analogy is not good. That's but a good analogy. All, I, I, so if there, our producers can clip Tyler saying yeah. nobody goes to Burger King and put that on Twitter and see what happens. There's similar parody, but I still think the LEC teams, like, not just mechanically, but like their understanding of like minion management and like when to freeze a lane and like basics like that is better than LCS. Can yeah, I just say? They're better, but it's still sloppy. I really don't trust any of these teams. So I'm going to go with pure talent. And that's why I'm going for it. 
I also don't trust right. any teams. I don't see the LCS right. LEC equivalency. Speaking not of equivalent. not trusting any teams, let's go to the LCS. Uh, by the way, if you're joining us in progress, uh, we can't have trivia tonight. Unfortunately, we're going to postpone this week's trivia to next week. Uh, there's a big storm going through the Northeast right now. Our producers are uh, suffering because of it. Their power is going out. Everyth everybody's safe and okay. Uh, the power, though, is an unfortunate uh, side effect of the weather system coming through so that means that we're going to postpone trivia until next week let's get through the lcs tyler you have been beating the cloud nine drum for quite mm -hmm. some time now mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden we see them right now and they seem the most vulnerable than they have in quite a while are you at all concerned about cloud nine's immediate future immediate future no not necessarily i'm i'm fearful of them going to worlds uh i think their style of niski being the um kind of enhancing blabber strategy where he plays the the doing role using his mechanically gifted juggler as kind of a sword a spear you could say and just kind of the roaming style that they they, they found such great success with like i think teams are starting to zero in on i think teams uh, have gotten better, especially teams like TSM, Team Liquid, uh, even FlyQuest to an extent. They've all become better teams. So Cloud9 just can't run the same strat over and over where it's just Niski roaming around, enabling Blabber, Blabber on, you know, the carrier champion like Lee Sin. But I, I still think at the end of the day, when everything in this, everything is, you no, know, we're in the playoffs, things are more serious. C9 is, you know, it's it's do or die. I'm still going to go C9. I still think they're the most complete team. I still think they have more cards up their sleeve. I think they've shown with, like, the Sona Lux plotline and other strategies that they are okay to experiment. I don't think... I think after losing that first game of the split and losing the 18-0 record they were aiming for, they kind of took the, the, the foot off the gas pedal a bit. So I want... I think when we come to playoffs, you'll see a much more engaged, focused... C9 ready to actually have a similar kind of run that they did have last split. I'm, I'm a, I went into the split feeling 99% sure Cloud9 was going to win the entire uh, season. Right now, I'm more at like a 90%. I still think, I, I still strongly believe that they are the best team in NA. And I don't think Team Liquid or FlyQuest or TSM even have really shown the depth of play to make me say they should be favored over Cloud9. But TSM has looked, has looked a lot better. I think their belief in Spica has shown volumes. They've said it since the beginning that they really do like him. They really do believe in him. And even when they had that rough patch where we were on the show saying they were terrible, they were bad, you know, Spica didn't know how to play the game. Those were my words. That he looked like he lost the guide how to use his computer. He They rebounded and they believed in them. They haven't made any changes. They believed in their players. And they look a lot better. So TSM, for me, even though Team Liquid does look like the biggest contender towards Cloud9, I, I think TSM might show, surprise us and be that a team that could upset C9 in the playoffs because I think they might have a little bit more depth to them. And Bjergsen is back to the old Bjergsen carry form where he does look like he could win his fifth MVP. That's actually a thing that could happen this but Like, Bjergsen could win his fifth MVP. And I would... I, I, when Double is finally starting to play well. So TSM for me would be the base contender to Cloud9 by still 90% Cloud9 still wouldn't split. Yeah, I don't see I mean, I think I said this last week as well, even after talking to uh Niski about it. Um 
I still don't see a world where any of these teams can give C9 a run for their money outside of like TSM continuing to improve or Golden Guardians actually continuing to improve because I really I like how they focus on like their internal win conditions, but we'll talk about them in a bit. Uh, the thing that does worry me though about is if C9 goes to an international event, like if they're if they go to the world's bubble and they compete against other teams, they're that like if they can if there's anybody that can leave early, like that boot camp time that they need to be brought up to the point where they'll be able to contend with some of these uh like European LCK and, and LPL teams, regardless of what we just said about Europe. Um, I think that, you know, it's it's gonna be a tough road for them unless they do get that practice time in. Yeah, I have no disagreements there. I like to my my thought, like I I do feel a lot less confident that C9 will win the split. I still think they will, but I I'm not as to Tower's point. I'm not as sold on on that as uh, I once was. Um, but yeah, I I I do have some big questions about what worlds now that we know more information. What worlds will look like for them? I think that they're gonna have to make really good use of their scrimmages when when they get there and they quarantine for the first few weeks. That that's gonna be really really big, yeah. Scrims in the bubble. I think the bubble might help them, where all the teams are gonna be in the same hotel, same area. Hopefully, scrim blocks will be easier. They need the thing is, if C9 can just skip the playoffs and go straight to China and just skip, like you say, I'll be forfeit. <laughs> we're going yeah, to that'd world. Be great. That'd be great for them. But sadly, there you know there was no spring points. There's no so, spring points. So, but yeah, as literally any NA team that qualifies for worlds. They should be on a plane didn't, the next day if their visas are cleared. Didn't you guys tell me that happened once with CLG? Like they just skipped the CLG split? skipped uh, like a so NA tournament. They, they yeah. went. They went to OGN in Korea. In it was two. it was bad. It was rough. We don't we don't talk about this. <laughs> okay. They uh, they ended oh, up they ended up an OGN tournament. I thought you were talking about the time when they had like Hotshot and friends play in LCS. No, and they we're went talking to boot camp in Korea. No, when they when they went to Korea to play in OGN oh, okay. and they I, skipped NA competitions. Yeah, yeah. which actually I mean, was good. That was awesome. Yeah, I I thought you were talking about the time where they no, when they to when they they skipped it. Yeah, they boot camped as opposed to playing in a league, right? Like they yeah. decided, you know what, we're yeah, gonna they skip basically this had like be Hotshot come out of retirement. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah. a whole other subject. But I remember you saying that in one of our uh, uh, throwback streams. Okay, do we believe in Golden Guardians? Then let's talk about GGS. They seem to be doing very good recently. Closer seems to be doing well in the jungle. Has that more aggressive play since the swap in mid lane? Shout out to Demonte, uh, keeping things fresh there and allowing Closer to breathe. But Emily, uh, based on what you've seen, is this team for real? Can can they have a good postseason run? So the so I, I thought Golden Guardians were better than their their losses at the beginning of the season. I know they tweeted out statistically about like their early game statistics, but the moment I actually really started believing in Golden Guardians at all was um, when they faced FlyQuest in week three. And yeah, okay, I, I want to bring up the match history. Um, so they faced FlyQuest in week three. They get out ahead. They make a they make a bunch of mistakes. And FlyQuest have a, a better scaling comp, right? And and Golden Guardians basically have to pull off this thing where they have to split the map. They have to split push with Demonte on um, on uh, Twisted Fate and uh, Haunter on Jace and Huhi on Tom Kench. The reason why I'm including Huhi in there is because he can tell like transport the team, you know, um, and not the team, but one person. 
uh, to affect side lanes. Anyway, they ended up playing it out really, really well, despite the fact that FlyQuest, uh, after after Golden Guardians kind of made a lot of mistakes in their mid-game, um, FlyQuest really should have won this game uh, due to their composition. Um, and this is where I really started to believe in Golden Guardians and their communication as a team. Uh, because I was like, okay, this is a team that even when they mess up, they recognize their own win conditions and they they can play to those. And that's actually like so important, especially again, when you have a lot of parity. Like if you can lock in a draft that you're confident in playing in, you're confident in executing, that's like huge. Um, and then on top of it, I, I do like a lot of the moves that they make early. I think obviously we're going to talk about Closer because he's been the driving force behind a lot of uh, map movement that GGS do make early. Um, the addition of DeMonte has looked really, really good. And then like with Hoogie and Closer kind of steering that early game, I think this team is in a really good spot headed into playoffs. Arda, I have an analogy for you. I have it all I have it all summed out for you, Arda. I'm ready for, for all the people in the chat. I have a perfect description of Golden Guardian for you. Are you ready, Arda? Yes. All right. Pokemon. Stick with me. Pokemon. Evolution. Let's say Charizard is peak FPX. Like, we're not at current FPX. Current FPX, fan mess, better if getting moved back in the, the lineup. Peak FPX is Charizard. Chameleon. Or Chameleon. Chameleon. Is it Chameleon? I don't know the middle. The middle uh, Charmeleon. Charmeleon. There we go. Thank <laughs> you, Emily. Charmeleon. That's like Cloud9 at their best. They know how to play the style, the roaming style, playing with the bot lane, weak side top laner. Big Charmeleon. Golden Guardians right now are charming. With DeMonte coming in, DeMonte has really accepted this role of, he's even said it pretty flat out. He's seen how Niski plays. He's seen how Doinby plays. He wants to enable closer. And I think the biggest you know thing we don't really talk about how his insane FBI is and how he might mm-hmm. be the best AD care right now in North America. And the reason why this style is working outside of how closers care is that they enable and roam around and play for FBI. So, I like what, what Golden Guardians are doing. It's not, you know, it's not C9 level yet in the middle. It's nowhere near Charizard FPX when they were doing the same thing over and over again at Worlds and G2. No, no idea how to stop it for whatever reason. Oh, they put Pike mid. That was a great deal. Good job, G2. But I feel like they're finding an identity for themselves and they're going for it. And who knows where this evolution line might end. Right now, I think it's good enough to be a top playoff team in NA, which is, has, is Charmander is a top NA team right now. But I, I do believe in them. I do like that they've kind of adopted the style that they saw C9 and FBX playing. And DeMonte is really taking over that role where he's like, I'm going to enable my players. He did last split on Data Toss with Clutch Gaming when they went to Worlds, enabling the top and bottom lanes of Cody and Hooney. And he's doing it again, once again, a uh, closer in FBI. And FBI deserves a lot of credit because. He's probably the least talked about player in the entire league. You almost never hear about him unless it's the FBI meme of knock knock, but he's actually a ridiculously good player. I know he's from Oceana, so he probably gets a bit less hype from than other import players, but he's been a revelation this split for Golden Guardians. And I want to give him a shout out because we always talk about closer, but FBI deserves as much recognition as closer. Ace I2 in the chat says Charizard sucks. What? <laughs> Wow, that's a hot take. <laughs> yes, it is. It is indeed a hot take. Uh, what else will be hot takes is we will, we're going to end the show on a special segment that we have prepared for you. Uh, actually, we're not going to end the show. We have a few other things to talk about. We're going to end the LCS segment on this. 
Uh, so, as you know, we talked about in the LEC, we decided who would make the playoffs and who would miss the playoffs. We decided to have a little fun with our predictions for how the last week of the LCS will shake down. Instead of outwardly telling you who we think will make the playoffs in the LCS, because you can probably pick six to seven of them in the playoffs, we decided to pick one team each and eulogize their season. Give them a post-mortem. Give them the proper send-off they deserve into the nothingness of not being a part of the summer split postseason. So we are going to give our LCS bottom four eulogies. Jacob, let's begin with you. Which team have you prepared for us for your LCS bottom four eulogy? Dignitas. So... Bow your heads for Dignitas. Dignitas. You were the hottest talk of all the offseason. You came back swinging. Agreed to pay upwards of $30 million to come back into the LCS after years long awaited of absence because you partnered with the Salanimals. You have now made it back to the LCS. You have decided to make amazing, big, Big swings in this offseason. You sell one player for essentially $1.75 million. You sign another for $2.3 million over two years. But midway through your season, that one player, that one guy you banked everything on, Hooney, is gone. And now you sit here with one of the most prestigious rookies in all of LCS history, had a fantastic spring split in Johnson. And the rest of your team is a giant meme. Dignitas. We thought that you had a chance. Spring looked like something. Maybe you could figure it out for summer. But instead, you did not. Instead, you banked on Warlow. You banked on Dardock. You banked on Viper. And it all went to hell. Dignitas. Your first season back in League of Legends after some significant time. Has not been a good one. You're the worst team in the LCS. Far worse than even Immortals, who were nepotistic and, and French as hell. Instead, <laughs> here you are. Now, the worst team, and things do not look better. Coronavirus has hit tough times. It's made money hard for everyone. But you need to take your you need to take your team back to the budget bin and prepare for 2021. So Dignitas, that is my send-off. Enjoy time as you watch all of your other peers compete in the playoffs and then go to China, because you will not be. It appears that Dignitas has already dig their own grave. Emily Good Rand? I really thank want you. to thank you, Tyler. correct thank you, Tyler. your grammar. In mid-sentence, I was like, mid-sentence, I was like, oh no, this, this grammar is wrong. I, I structured this phrase incorrectly. No! So I committed to it. Emily Rand. Yeah, that's good. That's all that matters. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Which no, team? that's what we're saying about League Guys. of Legends teams. You find what works and you commit. That's and that's right. what wins you games. We also uh, have to be in a somber mood. This is not a fun yes. segment, okay? We have to be... Please, everybody, somber mood. This is not a celebratory segment. We are very, very sad here. Emily, which team have you selected to eulogize here today? 
I am here to tell you about Immortals. Um, more specifically, yes. I was going to say pour one out, but I don't think that's appropriate because I still think some of their players may not be able to drink. Um, I'd have to check the ages. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Immortals started off the split with, uh, you know, a roster that many people disliked. They did not win the game, so they uh, decided to basically have their academy lineup play an entire weekend straight. Um, I agree with that decision. I actually think that that lineup has looked better in the LCS than the former one did, and the former one has not been having a good time in academy either. Uh, the big thing with Immortals is that, unfortunately, they play FlyQuest and Team Liquid in the final week. And sadly, they have not looked particularly good, although they did beat Dignitas, Jacob's pick, for the worst team in the LCS. Immortals, what I want to say to you is thank you for giving Insanity his debut. I still think he looked pretty good. People... Please do not write off North American mid laners after less than a split, just because Immortals will not likely make playoffs. I beg you. Thank you. So that leaves uh, the uh, two teams that are in the bottom four right now in the LCS. Tyler Erzberger, which team have you selected? Oh. I have chosen Counter Logic Gaming. Counter Logic Gaming. Sorry, I didn't do anything. Just like your team in most of the games this season have done nothing in middle sub games. Just as you watch as the other teams get every objective on the map and then kill your Nexus. I did not think there could be a more chaotic and sad franchise than the New York Knicks, but the little stepsister of that umbrella corporation, CounterLogic Gaming, have proven me wrong. A once great franchise that were in the MSI Finals a few years ago in Shanghai, playing in front of millions, has now become the most bland team on earth. It's like watching vanilla ice cream thrown on rice cakes in a bowl of oatmeal. That has how bland CLG has become. Do we remember they signed Crown? Crown was a player on CLG, and he was whisked away back to South Korea in the middle of the night, no one even realizing he was gone. It was that sudden. I don't even I don't even remember pictures of Crown on CLG. This team has been a disappointment throughout and throughout the season. They started strong. They were up early in the season. People thought, oh, maybe there was a chance. Maybe they would rebound. But like so many times in these last few years since death, uh, since Doublelift and Aphromoo have left the roster, it's only ended in grand disappointment. For CLG, I look at you and I see a once great team, a once great organization, and all I see now is nothingness. When the L when the LCS broadcast team and production do hype videos about CLG, they do not speak of 2020. They do not speak of 2019. Every single piece of broadcast material about CLG is about five years ago. And they yeah. are going to keep clawing and clawing 
at the last desperations and last scraps of relevancy that CLG have had. Every time they play TSM, it is like going to a funeral where we try to like it's a big grand celebration of TSM versus CLG, the once great El Clasico of North America. But nothing is a rivalry when one side beats down the other side like it's a heavyweight boxer versus a seven-year-old and the seven-year-old is CLG. CLG, you have disappointed me for the last time. You have turned the faithful, the people that have believed in you, you have not led them to the promised land, but you've led them to become a nihilist and atheist because they do not believe anymore. CLG, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, to all of North America, you are dead to us. What is the what is the chant that they say at Knicks games, by the way? Oh, right. Sell the team. Sell the team. Sell the team. Yeah. Right, here we go. You, you're eulogizing an entire company. <laughs> you yeah. one brand. My goodness. Wow. Grim Reaper Jacob Wolf over there to put a hood and hold a, uh, a cleaver in your hand. Okay, so I that want, leaves... I do want to give a shout out to Pole Belter, though. Pole Belter, you're awesome. No, yeah, with job. all that, though, but Pole yeah. Belter's great. Pole Belter's great. Okay, let's be clear. Yeah, yeah, thumbs up, Pole Belter. We miss you at ESPN Esports. Okay, that leaves uh, 100 Thieves. Uh, so, the... let me just be clear here, okay, people? It's going to be tough to eulogize 100 Thieves, especially since they're in the thick of the playoff hunt. And yes, of course, the two of these teams will still make the playoffs anyway that we're eulogizing here. And there's a lot of positives about 100 Thieves. And they just so happen to be in fourth last place right now in the LCS. So I have no choice. I waited for my compatriots to pick their teams, and I this was left true. with 100 Thieves. So think of the ropes. Think of us a roast, Arda. You're a comedian. Give them a roast. This is a roast of 100 Thieves. So, 100 Thieves, okay? There's a lot to love about 100 Thieves. Let's start there. They've had a great second half of the season since Contracts and Poom came along. Five and six since the beginning of July. They have reinvigorated this franchise. And listen, you know that I, more than anyone on this dais anyway, appreciate any good Canadian support named Philippe. Someday has the second highest KDA among top liners in the LCS. Lots of positives here. They play Dignitas this weekend or struggling. 100T beat them a month ago with this roster. Should be a cakewalk for 100 Thieves to go into the playoffs in the LCS. But let's think about that situation, that scenario. If 100 Thieves somehow, some way choke and don't make it, and they have not been pristine since the roster changes, and what if? 100 Thieves don't get the job done this weekend. And what if they are one of the te two teams on the outside looking in, probably with either Immortals or Dignitas? How embarrassing will that be? And then all of a sudden you're looking internally because we have spoken so much about how esports moves at a lightning pace. Well, you know what people are going to be saying if 100 Thieves don't make the playoffs after a third place finish in the spring split and the success that came with the roster changes, they're going to be digging early graves for some of that roster or even the staff. That was way too nice. That was way, that was super nice. Yeah. That was... But that was they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. Because they're going to make the playoffs. Packed into an A1 Oh, you got, you got doing great. You're five and six. Good job, buddies. You, you want some orange slices? Want some Capri Suns? 
<laughs> Capri Sun is great. I was surprised you didn't. Capri Sun is the Burger King you of should, orange juice. You should have called them the, the apparel company. I would have. Oh, you yeah, wanted, you, you wanted say, me to like, dig in with the Nate shots and the courage about how their clothes are better than their team or something. Yeah, that was that was I thought that. Good pep I mean, talk, though, Arda. Listen, listen, we can't be. I know. Now, 100 T win, we're going to be like, thank you. You, you know, yeah. you, you encourage them. I mean, I did say Papa Smithy could lose his job if they don't make the playoffs. I did. 100 Thieves, that, so. 100 Thieves should stop recruiting from Australia and recruit from where their clothes are made, China. So go go get some Chinese top players. <laughs> you guys are better at digging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I get to do you. We just dunked on 100 Thieves. Three different ways. Thank you for doing my job for me. I appreciate it. All right, let's go Global League of Legends. Uh, let's talk about the LCK. Let's talk about T1. Faker sitting on the sidelines, getting a little bit of a rest. In comes the 17-year-old phenom Closer. It's really good to be a uh, League of Legends player named Closer lately in League of Legends, by the way. Uh, so Closer has a great first showing for T1, winning both their games due T1. Uh, what, Tyler... What did you make of uh, Closer's debut with T1 in his matches? First off, it's actually quite funny you brought up the other Closer because Closer from T1 had actually changed his ID to the Z from the S because of uh, Golden Guardian's Closer. Can't have two uh, top, you know, pro players in the upper echelon of League of Legends play with the same ID, with the same capitalization and everything. You know, Viper and Viper is quite weird too, but they had to change his name. Uh, my thoughts was... It was a bit of a surprise that he was starting. Obviously, T1's been in a bit of a rut. They were playing two of the weaker teams in the LCK. Uh, Closer just turned 17. From what I know, uh, Baker, this was a prepared break. This was not a, you know, a spur-of-the-moment thing where Closer was outperforming Faker in scrims or the team wanted to play a Closer over Faker. This was much more of a Faker wants his yearly one or two break, you know, rest on the sidelines, get prepped get ready for the playoffs where he is still the best playoff player in the world. Every time he goes to the playoffs, he is the best player. I don't want, I don't care what the regular season stats stay in the playoffs. Faker is a different beast, but for closer, I thought he was quite impressive. I think there might be a bit too hype around him based on the games he played. I think he showed some mistakes, especially in his Zoe and his Zoe play. And it kind of overall in kind of his, he had some, some 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 moments where he showed his greenness. Uh, his call game, for example, he had some amazing solo kills, but there was also moments where he was going too far. And while that individually was a bit green, I do think that aggressive style did help T1 beat up on these lower ranked teams. Where T1 maybe a faker might have played that counter punching style that T1 is so famous for. And against a team that you are as better than mechanically and kind of roll over, you kind of want the aggressive player to push the pace because in a just a Five on feet, five on five team fight on a mechanical level. Kana, Teddy, Effort, these guys can just outplay the bottom of the level teams. So I do think this is the best spot for Closer to come in. I don't think we're going to see Closer in the playoffs. He might play a few more games as we lead into the playoffs, but rest, rest assured when the playoffs start and T1 is in the first round, probably playing against Afrika, you will be ready to see Baker in that lineup because. When push comes to shove, when the playoffs are on, when the stars are bright and everyone's watching, Baker is still the greatest of all time, not only in the past, but the current present. He's won three LCK titles in a row, and there is no way a 17-year-old rookie is going to step in his place when he's going for the 4 P. Emily, what do you think of Closer's debut? Um, I mean, I think uh, I agree with... 
Tyler that like there's there are very obvious reasons why they decided to bring out closer against KT and Sandbox um, because those are not the top as much as it might hurt me to say as a KT fan uh, they are not the top teams you know KT can apparently only beat people when they have Smeb or they can only beat top teams when they have Smeb on Maokai so um, as a support. Uh, Anyway, joke, KT jokes aside, I think this is a really great opportunity for Closer to get out there, like get his name out there, get people talking about him. Um, I I love that T1 did this. I know there's like a non-zero amount of people who are just like, no, we must take like every single game super, super seriously. And the thing you have to understand about LCK and LPL being in these giant best of three uh, matches is that you will get matches like this where obviously T1 are heavily favored to win. Um, and this is a great chance for closer to come out and shine. I mean, I thought he was, I thought he was fine. Like, I don't think, I think he lived up to my own hype for him and that he performed really well. Um, and they facilitated him really, really well. Uh, and so I, I liked to see that. Um, mm -hmm. I think he'll be a really good player going forward. Uh, I don't think it's like, Oh my gosh, this is the strongest debut I've ever seen, but that's a lot to live up to. And in terms of my expectations for him, I thought he did really well. So this leads into the conversation, of course, of hyped up rookie debuts, closers, certainly on the higher end in recent history. But what about the most hype rookie debuts in League of Legends history? Let's go around the table and talk about some of our most memorable rookie debuts in previous years of League of Legends competitive. Tyler, what's your uh, fondest rookie debut memory? There's so many. I, I listed a few of them. Uh, the uh, hyped mid lane debuts in LCK slash Champions history over the years. And there's been quite a few rookie uh, showmaker, the one trick uh, Katarina player who's now turned into maybe the best player in the world. He's having a redonkulous season on day one. We can get more to that as the season goes along. But showmaker's having a year. But my pick was BDD. And while he is now a three-time MVP, the most ever in champions slash LCK history, Faker only has two. He has the most in history of the LCK with three. BDD was so hyped going into his debut back in 2016. It was, he was on CJ Entis, which was this premier brand. I know a lot of newer League of Legends fans have no clue what CJ Entis was, but CJ Entis was right there with SKT and KT as the big brands in South Korea. They were really the first dynasty in South Korean League of Legends esports with uh, CJ Entis Blaze and CJ Entis Frost. It was a team that had gone on a kind of a downturn in 2016 at the end of 2015 with some of their players leaving. And they had this young rookie player named BDD who was 16, who was known as this one-trick Zed player, a mechanical god. His clips were going viral on YouTube. Everyone was talking about he was the next faker. He was the savior of CJ Entis. He was going to turn everything around. He was going to come in and just hard carry like Faker did on his early days on SKT. And finally, after a season of waiting, after weeks of waiting, Finally, he got his chance to play when he turned 17. The first game he was eligible, similar to Closer, he got thrown in into the starting lineup. And unlike every other hype mid laner with Rookie and Faker and Closer and Showmaker and Chovy, BDD lost. BDD lost his first ever game in the LCK. He went perfect. He was on Lulu. He had a perfect KDA, but his team lost. And that continued through his first season where 
he tried to do too much. He tried to be that hard carry player that he was in solo queue and it didn't work out. And his team got relegated and BD went from the most hyped player since Faker to being a bust. And he had to turn around his entire career after getting relegated. And I talked to him. I did a big feature about him about two years ago where when he was relegated, he realized he had to change his style to become a more all-around player where he started playing Talia, Galio, and started to enable the other side lanes. And that's kind of the complete player we see today. He transformed from the most hyped rookie in the world who everyone thought was going to save CJ. CJ died. They got relegated and then left League of Legends entirely. But BDD reformed. He changed up his style. He went to Longju slash Dragon X slash whatever organization. They have law names. He went to that organization, became a champion, and now he's a three-time MVP in the league, one of the best players in the world. BD, unlike other rookies who had quick ascents, his, he busted and then rose back up and climbed there himself by changing his, not just his personality, but his play style as well. So that's why he's one of my favorite players to watch, not just today, but for the last few years, because he transformed how he played. And and I love these, you know, the, the next faker narratives are so rich in League of Legends. Who's going to be that next big mid laner? He's really the, one of the few that kind of failed, but then has kind of shot back up. And he has something that Faker doesn't have. Is that the third MVP trophy? So... BDD, one of the best players in League of Legends today. You could say that BDD got knocked down and then got up again. Uh, yes, Arda, we can say he got knocked down and got up again, and no, never gonna no. let it down. No. Jacob, who is your most hyped rookie debut in League of Legends competitive? So this may seem like eons ago, and that's kind of because it is, and every every day seems like forever now in the middle of the pandemic. But nonetheless, uh, incarnation. Um, I. Th- I think many people uh, now known as Jensen. Many people know him uh, know him for what he's done on Liquid the past couple or the past year. But even more so, I think it's uh, notable to talk about where he came from. So, if you remember anything about him, he was banned in Europe uh, with a unset amount of time on that ban. Um, he there were a bunch of things being toxic, allegedly DDoSing people uh, in solo queue games, a bunch of other things. Um, and there were kind of, there was kind of word, and I remember this as a young reporter, uh, there was kind of word around in early 2015 that he may get unbanned. And there were a lot of teams that were really interested in him. And, and Cloud9 actually signed him to a contract before he was even unbanned. That was essentially paying him to do nothing. Like, absolutely nothing. For him to just, like, continue, he, like, was allowed to continue playing solo queue in Europe, so his skill, I mean, his, like, mechanical skill was still very high. Um, and, yeah, they signed him to a contract to basically do nothing, but in the event that he was unbanned, that he would agree to come play for Cloud9 in North America, um, which he did. Uh, so he got unbanned that, I believe that April, they signed him in, I believe, in March or April of that year. He got unbanned shortly thereafter, and... Uh, moved to North America, and people were really, really excited. Obviously, things didn't go that well in the split. That actually is the split, if I remember correctly, that they qualified through the gauntlet run, where High came back as the jungle jungle player and uh, in place of Medios. Um, what a crazy summer that was for C9. Uh, but he was really, really hyped, because people knew that he was like the best player in solo queue in all of Europe and had been for some time, and you know, circumstances uh, keeping him from playing professionally and... Yeah, I, I just remember that entire uh, ordeal being really exciting. And I think that uh, where he is now is, is very different from where he was five years ago. Emily, what's yours? So I'm going to go all the way back 
to not as far back as either Tyler or Jacob went, but I'm going back to the 2017 regional finals for China. And we have Invictus Gaming, who it's it's rookies team now. The Shy has joined. Um, we have this team where we're just like, God, they have such great solo laners. They're on the cusp of making it to Worlds. Uh, they lose to Team WE in a 3-2, like really, really close. The team is obviously crushed. Like Rookie walks off stage and he's just devastated. And he later makes a Weibo post like cheering WE on. And the whole thing is heartbreaking. Like everyone, like, I mean, there's a little bit, you know, people are fans of Team WE or IG, but so many Invictus Gaming fans were like, ah, oh, like we, we almost made it. We're almost here. And one of the things that had been repeated all throughout 2017 was about the state of IG's bot lane. And everyone was just like, if we could get someone in who is stronger than West, this, this team will be formidable. And there was a trainee on IG and they were just waiting for him to come of age. It was Jackie Love. He comes on to the season in 2018. IG has insane uh, regular season performances, but they cannot beat RNG, RNG, like take the year entirely. Um, and so I, I think one of the narratives that people kind of forget about the the IG of 2018, because they did win Worlds, is that they would always come up against RNG. And RNG, it was, it was RNG's year. Like that was UZI's year. That was the year that RNG were going to win the title. And this IG team with Jackie Love, who had like insane regular season performances. They basically like, they came in of themselves at the perfect time at the 2018 world championship did super well. Um, Jackie love is probably, I would say one of the most hyped debuts of the past several years in China, just because people knew of him as a trainee since he was about like 14 or 15. And he was like Invictus gaming's, like he was their star. Like they'd been training him for forever. They were waiting for this moment and they won the world championship in that first year of his, uh, of his pro debut, which is actually insane. The fact that he's not still on IG is, is somewhat uh, like, it, it's hard to think of for me sometimes because he was going to be like their, their guy, you know? So mm -hmm. um, that's why I picked Jackie Love because I think people knew of him for so long and winning the world championship in your in your debut year, um, especially when there was this team in your own region that kept you know they they kept you down is uh is great. And it was a uh, it was an amazing season to watch from that IG team. Well, Jackie Love did not win a world championship in a bubble, which brings us not. to our next segment. Mm -hmm. uh, the last thing we'll speak about here on Rift Rewind. We've heard the news now that Worlds will look a little different this year. It will be a bubble format in Shanghai, singular city for 2020. China will get the city tour originally as planned Worlds pre-pandemic in 2021. And NA will be pushed to 2022. So I had a chance to speak with Bjergsen this past weekend. And when I interview League of Legends competitors, I endeavor to ask them this question because I'm genuinely curious about how they feel should their team qualify, even going to Worlds, just the process and how, how many challenges there will be to even get to China from their home country in a pandemic. 
And Bjergsen, of course, uh, suffers from, uh, as he calls it, moderate to severe asthma. So there's an increased health risk there in terms of him traveling and possibly contracting coronavirus, particularly the um, concerns that he might have going to a hospital in China, for example, should he contract the virus, etc. He believes, though, that him and his team, and, and he would not fault any of his teammates, he did say, if they decided otherwise, but he does believe that should TSM make Worlds, him and his teammates would be willing to go. And I've only heard positive things uh, from other players that I've asked to, that have said, yes, I would travel should we go to Worlds. General thoughts on the idea that once it's all shaken down, Jacob, these players will have to go to Worlds and there's going to be have, have to be uh, safety measures in place. Logistically, what are we looking at here? And also, do you think that there will be any concern that pops up despite the fact that, you know, these are young players and they're probably very ambitious and Worlds is a big deal. Well, I know Emily has said this jokingly in the past, but I do think it rings some truth, is the fact that uh, these are gamers. These are not NBA players. I don't think you're going to have a gamer. I don't think if, a, if they're told to stay inside, I don't think you're going to have a gamer ditch and go to another Chinese city to eat some chicken wings in a strip club, um, which <laughs> recently happened in, in the NBA uh, with Blue Williams uh, while attending a funeral. Um, so I, I definitely don't think that would happen. Um, I think logistically to get this set up, the biggest thing, uh, and while like riots biggest overcoming, I think is to get the Chinese, uh, government to approve visas, particularly yes. for the Americans, for um, North America but, specifically. Yeah. For, for us citizens, I think it is going to be very difficult um, there's obviously a lot of tension for a lot of reasons, uh, among it being the fact that COVID is still awful here and that the United States is one of the worst countries in the world um, in terms of COVID contraction rates. Um, and yeah, and, and also like there's a lot of political tension around uh, China and the US right now because of that. So the definitely like that's the biggest thing Riot's got to deal with right in front of them. I think logistically, like they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to really think outside the box in terms of how they want to, how they want to make life accessible for these players. Like, you can't just expect them to order delivery every single day, right? Like, that's not, it's not realistic. So the riots got to figure out how like catering works and how food works for these people, and like, what's the like area that they can go in and out of the hotel? Like, what's, uh, you know, what's, uh, what's most realistic? So I think from a logistical standpoint, like. This is very difficult. This is a new challenge for Riot. They have certainly never faced anything like it. Um, they're used to hard logistical problems in terms of bringing a bunch of people from a bunch of different countries into another country, right, where they're not originally from. Like, that's not particularly new for them, but the circumstances are definitely much more difficult now because of coronavirus. I think the difficult part is going to be getting teams there. Because mm -hmm. right now in, in Shanghai, it's, it's not like what, it is in the United States, right? Um, like, it, I, I think, like, not that everything is, like, quote-unquote, back to normal, but, like, there's a lot more leeway in terms of, like, what you can do. The most important part is going to be making sure that Riot uh, follows, like, their travel. Like, the actual flights to get there is probably going to be the most risky part in terms of contracting the virus. Uh, and then making sure that teams are really... Uh, you know, like for that 14 day quarantine period, they're not doing anything. But yep. after that, it's actually going to be there. They should be a lot. Um, there should be a lot more options available to them because of the fact that the virus is a lot more well controlled in in Shanghai. Um, and 
there's a lot more like contact tracing and stuff like that. So the, you know, I think uh, the most difficult issue here is actually going to be the tra initial travel itself, like visas, initial travel itself, and then the 14 day quarantine. As to whether the reason why I laughed at the delivery and reacted to the delivery thing is because A, you can get anything delivered at any time in Shanghai pretty much. But then B, I, I've talked to players at boot camps and I'm like, oh yeah, like we're going to go film outside or something. And they're like, oh cool, this is the first time I've left the hotel in like a week. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Uh, I, have full, <laughs> I have full confidence that we're going to get it done. This is not a small indie company, as some might joke. This is a multi-billion dollar company that's owned by Tencent, a super giant in China. They will get the players there. I mean, they just sold the, the, the streaming rights to Billy Billy in China for over $100 million. More needs will happen. I I have full confidence that all 24 teams will get there. They will get their visas. Maybe they should bring more subs just in case. Uh, they should bring more subs just in case due to the fact that the coronavirus of a player test positive. They would have to miss it out. Maybe not play the tournament. But for me, Arda, we can talk about the players. We can talk about the tournament. And what I think, that's just... That's just the background noise, Arda. The real thing now that Worlds 2020 is finally announced, there's one thing I care about, Arda. And every week from now on, starting today, that we now know 2020 Worlds is coming is, where is the World Songs Riot? I am waiting for the World Song 2020, as I did last year, bugging every single Ryan Pulley when it would be announced. They promised me this year, Arda. They promised me that it would not be delayed. It would be out before the tournament. Obviously, we're in a global pandemic, but I am still going to bug every single week. Where is the world song? That's what's most important about worlds is, is it going to be better than Rise? Will it be better than Rise? I don't know. Rise is the number one world song. No debate there. There's no debate. It's the best. End of discussion. Thank you. What what genre of song are you hoping for? Ooh. Are you hoping for R&D? Are you hoping mm, for metal? I think I, I want... I, I want more of an alternative rock band. I feel Rise, the best world song, as I just said. Mm -hmm. I, I, you need to have a power. It has to be a power rock out. It's something you have to sing at a bar at 2 a.m. It's something that has to get stuck in your head over and over and over that you can chant loudly. It has to be good for promo videos, which is why Ignite is my worst world song. That song does not go well for promo videos. But yeah, I, I'm going to wait for like an alternative rock kind of feel, kind of like Rise. Rise was amazing. But... Phoenix was also up there, but I, I just, world song, man. That's where the real, the real discussion starts is can it beat Rise? You know, we can talk about top esports and damn one and all sure. that, but it'll be better than Rise. We, we, we should do a tier list one day of uh, yes. like League of Legends songs. I, I would be down for that if we don't get DMCA'd. If Rai gives us the we thumbs up, we don't have to play the... the songs. We don't have to play the songs. We oh, we have to them. play the songs. We have. Oh, wow, you don't wow, do okay. it. You don't do it. You that, don't do a music that list. out the window. <laughs> we can't do that. Imagine within ten seconds, we're off the air. Yeah, See you later. But no, I'm excited overall for Worlds. I think it's a it's actually a shorter Worlds, a bit shorter. It's only a, it's a month and a week. It's from uh, September 25th to Halloween, which means. I guess we're going to have to dress up for our Worlds show on October 31st when we preview and recap the Worlds finals. So get ready for costume ideas. I'm yeah. already thinking of what a patriotic gear I can wear when NA lifts the cup on that day. Just, I'm just, yeah. it's already, I'm workshopping. Uh, Apollo Creed. I'm dressing up as Apollo <laughs> Creed with the America robe and everything. Yeah, that's going to be me.
Uh, or Brimstone. Maybe Brimstone, actually. There's a Patriot. A true Patriot. True Brimstone patriot. from Mallory. Right. Uh, speaking of worlds, the last thing we're going to mention here is we have an announcement to make. And actually, when I say we, I mean Jacob Wolf. Jacob, the floor is yours. You are introducing something very unique to our esteemed ESPN Esports League of Legends coverage. Uh, and this is going to happen throughout worlds. What are you bringing to us? Fans, you can look forward to it. I have heard your request. Uh, you know, we I don't think Riot Games will be having a snitch hotline a la the NBA, but uh, let me introduce you to something, the Wolf Hotline. <laughs> there you go. So every yeah, single we... week, we're going to be bringing you, Jacob will be bringing you the latest gossip and the latest news from inside the bubble. And there is nobody on the staff better suited to give us the scoops, S-K-O-O-P-Z, Z if you're in Canada, than Jacob Wolf, the curator of the Wolf Bomb, and now the Wolf Line is here. Yes, I will I will be posting how to contribute to the Wolf Line in various different forms on Twitter in the coming weeks as we get closer to... Uh, to worlds, but yes, this will be the uh, the unofficial worlds snitch hotline, the wolf line, where you can contact <laughs> me with the uh, the craziest things that occur during uh, during worlds, and we uh, we may have some uh, show programming to announce in the in the next few weeks too ahead of worlds that uh, will lend itself to daily uh, wolf wolf hotline uh, wolf line drops. So. We yes. might. I think keep, it's keep funny because like there's actually so much that goes down at Worlds, but not like what you think. Like it's not like NBA players like snitching on each other. It's like teams going up to players on other teams, being like, "Hey, how you no, doing? It's, uh, it's all you're looking like you're it's really it's good at League of Legends. Would you like to come to North America and play for me? Yeah, it's from Europe." Thing. It's either transaction <laughs> stuff or it's literally just teams going out late to eat and drink alcohol. Uh, I mean, it's yeah, nothing I mean, too exciting. boring, though. Yeah, like that. Well, I, I'm saying like a lot of like actual like almost transactions between players like started worlds. Actually, there's so much scouting and discussion. That my my favorite world story. I want to give this really quick. My, my one of my favorite worlds after dark stories is probably two years ago. It was Busan uh, during the 2018 World Championships, and the player hotel was on the kind of this boardwalk slash beach setup where uh, there was bars and, and restaurants everywhere right near the beach and the players were right on the beach. And I remember one night I was out getting food after a long day. Vitality was also there with Yamato Canyon. They were getting their food and there was these two really excited fans behind them that were like, they're giggling. They're so excited to meet them. And the two fans were like, are you fanatic? And Yamato's face just dropped. And they're and they're like, yeah, yeah fanatic, yeah. And they just lied that they were fanatic and took pictures of the fans. So. Oh, God, that's hilarious. <laughs> Speaking of uh, pictures of fans, remember the lineup that Faker had when we brought him onto the yes. ESPN Esports desk Masses at MSG? Yeah, yeah. There, there were like 100, and we didn't even advertise that he was there. It was just, hmm. they just sniffed him oh, out. They'll they find him. They'll find oh, him. They, well, they honestly, just found Faker. Honest, <laughs> honestly, the biggest story I could see from the bubble is, like, fans of China trying to get in the bubble. Like, that might be, like, the most, 
it's not players leaving the bubble. It'll be fans trying to get inside the bubble to meet Baker in the place. They'll like they'll like try to like book a room at like an adjacent hotel or that'll that'll actually be like a really big problem. Like there's been like flight information sold before and stuff. Oh wow. Well, all yeah. of this information you can look forward to on the Wolf Line. Just call 1-800-WOLF-BOMB and give us all of your... I hope that's the number, by the way. I really do. We need we need a catchy phone number. But anyhow, that's going to be the Wolf Line. You're definitely going to hear a lot more about that and possibly a little more from ESPN Esports in the coming weeks. But that does it for us here on the Rift Rewind. Normally, trivia would follow this program. Unfortunately, there is a weather system going through the Northeast right now, which means we're going to postpone trivia to next week. So you have a full week to cram about TSM and Tyler's favorite breakfast and colors and whatever else you put on your survey Learn about Tyler. Learn about TSM. We'll be back with the Rift Rewind and Trivia Doubleheader on Tuesdays starting at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Enjoy the last week of the regular season, everybody. We'll catch you next week.